Testing. Testing, testing. One, two, three. Testing, testing. Am um, I coming in clear? I said, am I coming in clear? Welcome to the show. You're blowing my mind right now. That's what I thought. It's all about hey. the blowing of minds. Right? Yes. All right. Quick side note, though. Um, Notes away. You gave me the note. And I was looking at it, and it wasn't uh, Trick or Treat from 2007. So, it was supposed to be released in 2007. I don't think it was. It wasn't released until 2009. I watched it last night. It was funny. Don't say anything about it. We're gonna I save, won't say a we're thing. We're going to save our conversation for this podcast. No, I'm not even going to talk in the podcast. I won't say a thing about it. <laughs> well, Ever. It's going to make a pretty boring podcast, my friend. Everyone's going to uh, shut down right now. Everyone just clicked out, Billy. Everyone just stopped listening to us right now. Crap. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't even something... get a chance to get started. Everyone's gone. I know. I was just trying something new, guys. Come on. <laughs> something new. I'm just going to be here silent while Joey talks. Have For fun. eight hours. <laughs> For eight. Yes, this is our eight-hour episode. It's a Halloween yes. special. We love it. Let's carve a scary face this time. All right, are we ready? Here we go. We're ready. We're punching in. Punching, punching in, in the clock. In. There we go. Time Ding. card. Time card is punched. And here we go. Three, two, one. Hello, I'm Joey Parr, Editor-in-Chief of GeekTyrant.com and host of this podcast, Secret Level. And joining me is the witchy Billy Fisher. Ah. Yes, you're witchy. Yes, I'd like to call myself the co-host extraordinaire. You don't want to be the witch co-host? Oh, of course I do. Because we are That's entering the, the Halloween season now. Oh, definitely. Look, you can't have Halloween without trick-or-treat. It's true. And, speaking of which, that is the movie that we are going to discuss today. We are going to discuss the 2009 classic horror anthology film, Trick or Treat. Or, no, sorry, Trick or Treat. No, wait, hold on, time out. Trick or treat. Hold on, wait one more time. Trick or treat. Ooh. Wait, maybe one more. Hold on. That got fancy. Trick or treat. Wait, no. Trick or treat. <laughs> <laughs> you get it. All right, all right. We're yeah. moving on now. We're moving on. Here we go. This film was written, written, and directed. <laughs> Shit, I'm going through puberty. Uh, All right. Finally! <laughs> yes. This movie was written and directed by Michael Doherty, and it is based on an animated short that he made back in 2004 called Season's Greetings. And that animated short debuted his classic Halloween character, Sam. Oh, Sam. The masked, pajama-wearing, killer creature with the crazy sucker 
knife. He's, yeah. I loved it. Loved that. He's, loved he's that a thing. great character. So good. Such a classic. Like the whole thing. Now, this is this movie is probably the most recent one that we've done. Like, we've been talking about movies from the 80s and early 90s, and now we're just jumping into 2009. Look, it's Halloween. I wanted to talk about one of my favorite Halloween movies, which is Trick or Treat. And this one was kind of an instant classic. Yeah. Uh, and it's crazy. The story behind this movie has some crazy stuff because Warner Brothers shit the bed in the marketing and the releasing of it. And it, it was just a mess. But since it's released in 2009, it has gained a very big following of fans. Yeah, and I have to say, there's a good reason why. It's unlike any other horror film we've seen to date. And I don't think anybody's been able to really capture that essence again. Exactly. I agree. And one thing I want to point out, this is a, again, this is my fa- one of my favorite Halloween movies. I have yes. watched it every year since it was released. On Halloween night, this is the first time that Billy has seen it. I have been yes. trying to get him to see this movie forever, and it took getting this podcast launched and doing an episode on it to get him to watch it. And I'm, so I'm very excited to talk to Billy about this, see what he thought. We'll go into some details, but I definitely want to get Billy's thoughts on the film. But before we do that, Billy... How was how was your week? It was a it was a really good week. You and I got to spend time at the D twenty three convention, which was a lot of fun. It was a blast. It was a blast. It was so much fun. Yeah, we're and filming then, this uh, a couple weeks after that. Yep, and oh, then um, we're we're recording this. We're yeah, not same thing. Anything. And then uh, with that, and then I got to come home and I watched the rest of Killing Eve. I wa- I hadn't seen the last season of Killing Eve, and we just watched it. Oh, it really? Me, yes. Fascinating. Uh, Sad it's over because it was a fantastic show. Sure. But um, they're both moving on to bigger and better things, so, you know, more power to them. Nice. Yeah, what about you, Joe? What did you do after we got back? Uh, This week has been filled with a lot of busy work for me. Just Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff. I was in the hospital a couple times this week. Uh, What? A cheerleader got dropped on my daughter's head, so that was fun. had to deal with that. I found out this week that I have like so crazy weird carpal tunnel syndrome that I have to start doing like exercises every day with now, like for the rest of my life so it doesn't get any worse. Oh no. Yeah. So this is, you know, I'm dealing with stuff. This is what happens when you get old, I guess. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. This, this is the whole, uh, your finger won't move thing. Yeah. My finger gets stuck and they say it's trigger finger, but then the doctor's not sure if it's trigger finger. But then while I was getting that looked at they're like oh by the way you also have this carpal tunnels thing oh nice um, so that's, that's so now info. yeah so now i'm in physical therapy doing that whole thing so like this week has been like a week of like there's not a lot of fun stuff <laughs> has right. happened this week it's it's kind of been a bummer of a week for me right but you did get to watch trick-or-treat and now we get to talk about it i gotta watch trick-or-treat i also did get to watch uh, another movie that came out a couple weeks ago. If you haven't seen it yet, you should check it out. This movie is called uh, See How They Run. It's a murder mystery whodunit comedy. And it is 
great. It's got Sam Rockwell in, Sam Rockwell in it, and he's awesome. And uh, I just I had a blast watching it. I mean, if you like whodunit stuff, this is a good one. I really enjoyed it. Dare I say yep. it's? I thought I, I enjoyed it more than Knives Out. Really? Yeah, I I, wow. really, I really enjoyed it. It it took the whodunit thing and kind of did some little fun twisty stuff with it and kind of broke the norm of right. those type of stories. So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, it looks like a lot of fun. I can't wait to see it. Yes, and you should. It's going to be good. Yes. All It'll right. Be fun. So now that that's out of the way and I've got my venting done on what happened to me this week and Billy got to talk about his fun week, uh, we're going to dive right into Trick or Treat. Yes. So I will start off by reading the synopsis of this film. Excellent. Interwoven stories demonstrate that some traditions are best not forgotten as the residents of a small town face real ghosts and goblins on Halloween. Tales of terror reveal the consequences of extinguishing a jack-o'-lantern before midnight and a grumpy hermit's encounter with a sinister trick-or-treater. That's it. No, I like it. That was it. Yep. Like Joey said, this is the first time I've seen the movie. And I thought it played out wonderfully. Yes. I, there's a lot of homage made to a whole bunch of different horror films I've noticed in this one. It was really cool. Definitely. Like, uh, like when you see certain things pop up, you're like, ah, good job on that one. <laughs> and then there's some original stuff that I was like, oh, that's really well done. Like the main, I don't know if you would call him the antagonist or the protagonist in this movie. Sam. Which is Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Sam is a He's, fantastic character. He is just the embodiment of Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, it was he was a really well done character. I, I appreciated that. When the director was actually coming up when the director was actually coming up with the story, the character Stam, the name itself is it's explained, is derived from Samhain. Okay. The ancient Celtic Festival of the Dead, from which modern-day Halloween is derived. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I thought that was fun. Yeah, that's nice. They're like, it kind of just pays homage to that. Mm-hmm. And just for clarification, this Samhain character is not a deity or some kind of ancient Celtic being or whatever. It is only the name of the celebration. Okay. However... However, the idea of being either a deity or a person a personage uh, dates back to at least the late first century, and that's largely thanks to an Irish bishop named Cormac Mac. And I'm going to completely butcher this last name because I have no idea how to pronounce it. <sighs> Coo. <laughs> Kuelian. Mm-hmm. Kuelian? I'm gonna yes. we're gonna go with Kuelian. Yes. And his book Sanus Cormaic, which had identified Samhain as such. Alright. And sorry, so I butchered that name and I'm sorry if I offended anyone, but that that's a rough one. That's a rough yeah, one that's to rough. say. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's that's insane. So, and he's actually, uh, the director apparently has been still trying to figure out Sam's origin and says 
that if they eventually get around to that sequel that was announced a long time ago, which we'll talk about later, mm-hmm. uh, he'd love to show this character being born in a pumpkin patch. Mm-hmm. He says, there's a great Charles Adams painting of a pumpkin patch, and you see hundreds of pumpkins, and you see one, and it's carving itself. And so that's what he wants to base Sam off of. That's how he wants to show the birth of Sam, which I think is awesome. Very cool. I'm going to post that painting on social media so you can see it, see what he had in mind for the birth of Sam. When the director was working on this movie, he talks about how he credits a 1985 film called The Midnight Hour among his major influence while writing the script. Mm -hmm. And that is a 1985 American made-for-TV comedy horror film. And it had uh, LeVar Burton was in it, which I thought was kind of fun. Yeah. And it follows teenage Halloween pranksters who revive a 300-year-old witch and some of her ghoul friends. That's what the movie's about. I like it. I've never seen this movie. Me either. So I was looking it up just a minute ago to see if I could find it. Now I have to watch this movie. Yes. Because it sounds like it could be fun. It's got LeVar Burton in it, so I mean, how can it not be fun? Heck yeah, LeVar Burton's the man. When the director started developing this film, I mean, it, he, he, he directed every segment of this movie. But uh-huh. before that happened, there was a very different plan for the, the horror anthology. Okay. Early on in the development, he sent Stan Winston, classic VFX artist Stan Winston. Yes. Legendary VFX artist. Uh, his animated short. Mm-hmm. And Winston apparently jumped on board to produce the film and he managed to get a talented group of iconic horror directors attached to it. Okay. And each of these directors would have directed a different segment of the film. Mm-hmm. Some of the directors that he wanted to bring on to this project included George Romero, John Carpenter, Toby Hooper, which would have been awesome. Yeah, those are great directors. I, great I, horror directors. I mean, that's a right, that's an all-star that. lineup of stuff. Right. Unfortunately, when they took this project out and tried to pitch it, that uh-huh. version of the film fell apart. They couldn't get funding because no one wanted to make that movie. No one wanted to touch it for some reason. Hmm. And with a lineup of directors, it seems like it's complete insanity. That no studio wanted to be in, but that seems like just like such a great classic, a great like, hey, look at look what we've got here. Like, you got this great story. We've got all these iconic directors lined up that want to be a part of it, and we've got. I mean, Stan Winston was involved for crying out loud. Right. I mean, but you would think the weight of George Romero and Toby Hooper would have, and John Carpenter. Would have just pitched itself. They would have just been like, yeah, go make that. Yeah. But in the hmm. end, that version of the film didn't happen. Doherty went ahead and directed the entire film himself. 
And I'm not complaining. I think uh-huh. it turned out amazing. I loved his directing style for this movie. I thought he did a wonderful job. And it really, it's its probably one of the best films he's made. He went on to make uh, the Christmas horror film Krampus. Mm-hmm. And he also went on to make Godzilla King of the Monsters, which probably wasn't his best work. But, you know, st- studios like to mess things up with their silly ideas. Right. <laughs> well, my kids loved that movie. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, kids, kids, like, kids like that stuff. Sure. Yeah, monster movies. Sure. Yeah. Um, the one thing I did like about it, and I thought what was interesting about it is that it could be essentially played on a loop. Like, if there was no end credits to it, the way it's set up. Oh, yeah, for sure. I thought that was a, I thought that was a nice touch. I thought there's a lot of small details in the background. So that many we're great get to. little details, and it, and they and there's just, and they all connect to like each of the stories and stuff like that. Right, you're paying, you know, paying attention. Like one of the little things that happens is the end of the film connects with the very beginning of the film. So right at the start of the film, you can see this group of trick or treaters leaving the old man's house, mm-hmm. and that is the group that terrorized the old guy at the end of the movie. So it's like. Yeah. Yep. It's just like you said, it's a constant loop. You could just yep. it ends and then it starts again. Dude, and there's there's so many shining moments in this. Like like there's things I want to talk about in this, but I think my favorite thing in this whole my favorite character in the whole thing, besides Sam, Sam is fantastic, but sure. Dylan Baker's portrayal in this movie Dude. Yes. is so like I don't even know how to say it. It's just amazing, and like it all, everything comes full circle in this movie. Like everything, and that's why I think it's cool that everything comes full circle. You can watch the movie in a loop. It's crazy how it all just kind of ties together like that. Dude, his story is so dark and disturbing so dark. and amazing at the same time, and funny. Yes. Like it's so crazy how you got this this guy that's just like so open and willing to murder kids and then he's teaching his son the craft of murdering people and and not only that but taking the people decapitating them and then like carving their heads yeah like pumpkins like pumpkins like that is that is crazy the what, what kind of dad is that right yeah i it's crazy well, I mean, it kind of got me thinking, like, he's also the principal of the local high school. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yep. But it also makes me think of, was Sam, like, the first victim? Was Sam the first victim? No, because remember, yeah. Sam was born in a pumpkin patch. That, well, that's, that's the, what the art says, but, yeah. I mean, because he's carving them. That's what I was kind of thinking, because after the big reveal oh, of Sam's yeah. face, I was like, oh, is that? But we'll we'll get into it. Okay. Well, so well when so actually when talking about that, f- well first of all there were eighteen drafts of the script that were written for this movie. Holy smokes! Eighteen drafts, <laughs> and each of the stories of in the script were supposed to represent a different stage of a person's experience with Halloween. Right. And the director explains the first story with Dylan Baker and his son is about how you're introduced to the holiday. The second one with the kids is you and your friends roaming around without your parents for the first time. 
Right. This one with Anne, Anna Paquin and her friends is Halloween in your 20s when it's about sex. The final story with Brian Cox is Halloween in your twilight years. It's the Scrooge of Halloween. And so that's how he explains how he broke it down. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Now, this movie was originally supposed to be released in 2007. That was the original go date. And for no reason or explanation ever given, Mm -hmm. Warner Brothers decided to just pull the film from schedule. Huh. And they had no, all of a sudden there were no plans to release it speculated that one of the reasons might be because Saw 4 was supposed to be released around the same time and Warner Brothers didn't want to compete with that movie. Another possible reason that the film was buried was Mm -hmm. due to possible fallout from the box office disappointment of Superman Returns, which which, uh, Michael Dougherty co-wrote. Yes. So, you know... That didn't bode well. And Brian Singer was also a producer on Trick or Treat. And Mm -hmm. so since those two were kind of like in cahoots with Trick or Treat and their production company developed it, it was just like, maybe we don't want to do this because Superman Returns failed. But at the same time, it's like it's a completely different genre, right? It's like Superman Returns fails, but this one has a smaller budget. It you know it's 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 more of like an indie Halloween film than anything. It's not like you're gonna lose anything by releasing it in theaters. You're just gonna like make money off of it. But for what for whatever reason, it has never ever been released in theaters. It was released ah. on DVD in October yes. of two thousand nine, but it has never been released in theaters, like wide release. There have been special screenings for it, and I've been to one of them. I went to one a few years ago at the Egyptian Theater at Hollywood, which was a lot of fun for Halloween. Um, Okay. But this year, this year, it is finally going to get a release in theaters, a wide, well, semi-wide release, which is exciting, because finally... (laughs) It's getting the theatrical release that it deserves. There's so many people that have not seen this movie on the big screen that are finally going to get to watch it on the big screen, and that's exciting. I think this is a perfect time to do it. People are going to be like, well, I've seen this character before, like at Spirit, you know, the Spirit Store or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Let's go see what the movie's all about. Yeah. I know a lot of people that still haven't watched this movie, like like Billy here, who just watched it yeah. for the first time. There's a lot of people like, there's a lot of Billies in the world there are that have not so seen this many. movie that need to see this movie. It is so good. I loved it. They're just a big bag of jerks. <laughs> you 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 used to be in that big bag. Yeah, I got <laughs> out. <laughs> you crawled, Welcome you, to you, real you crawled life. your way out. <laughs> yes, we made it. Uh, but it's it's being released, but we're going to kind of dive into this thing and talk about some stuff. So, one thing I want to discuss uh Brian Cox, his character Mm-hmm. Is actually based on director John Carpenter. His the look of him is is inspired by John Carpenter. And I if you've see seen that. the movie, you could totally you could totally yeah, tell. I, yep. Um, and that's the thing is like this is one of those movies that if you blink, you miss it. 
Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like, it's one you I, have to pay attention to. Like, you have to pay attention in, in the background. There's stuff that I always catch something new in this movie every time I watch it. Like, like you, you get to see a moment that you've already seen, but you see it from another angle, and you're like, I did not catch that. Yep. That's so cool. Yeah, exactly. It, uh, one of my favorite stories in this mm-hmm. I mean, I like all of the stories, but I think my favorite is the kids, is their little journey, their little horror adventure, where they take this poor girl. Oh, man, this is probably one of the hardest to watch once you realize what's happening. Yes. It's so hard to watch because you're just like, the story is like one of the darkest cuz they're i mean they're they've got this plan going and and throughout the throughout the movie they're they're collecting pumpkins for this plan they're you're seeing characters and stuff at one point they go to a halloween party where you know it's like a there's a furry thing going on in there yeah, it's uh, like a halloween orgy thing it's a halloween origin thing so and they they have this elaborate plan to take her to this place where there's a legend of a bus that went off the edge of a cliff filled with special needs kids that their parents paid off the bus driver to kill the kids. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Because they didn't the... want to deal with these kids, right? Because it was oh man, just, that they, broke my heart. It was, was too like, much of a what? burden on them. As the story goes, are you ready for this? Here we go. It happened 30 years ago on a late Halloween afternoon. A school bus was on its usual route, but this wasn't your typical school bus, and they weren't your typical kids. There were eight of them. They were different, troubled, disturbed. Every day, parents put their dirty secrets on this bus to be driven to a school miles outside of town. But that day, the driver took a different route, and instead of taking the students home, He drove the bus to an abandoned rock quarry. This rock quarry. The kids didn't know that over the years, their parents had become exhausted, embarrassed, and they were willing to do anything to ease their burden. So one day, the parents approached the bus driver and made him an offer. With the money they collected together, they asked him to do the unthinkable. It almost worked perfectly. The driver was never heard from again. As for the bus... Some say it sank so deep that it couldn't be found. Others say the town just didn't want it to be found. For all we know, it's still down there. And so are those kids. This is the only part of the movie I had trouble with because I was like, man, those parents are pieces of shit. Ugh. <laughs> man. So that they tell, tell that story early on. So you don't yes. really know what that has to do with but like i was like upset like i had an angry face while watching i was like (laughs) it's it's messed up but i like the story because i like the characters specifically the character Rhonda, the one that they were playing the prank on she's just such a sweet girl but you had these jerk ass kids wanting to play this prank on her and it it really irks you but Rhonda just had like embodies like Sam Rhonda embodies the spirit 
of everything we love about Halloween, and she's into it. She loves the Halloween season, and that's why I like this character so much. She kind of reminds me of, like, the type of person I am. I love Halloween. I love getting, like, crazy into it. And so it's it's definitely sad to go through, but, you know, Rhonda and those kids, they get their revenge. <laughs> Oh my goodness! So, and this it's is a the thing sweet, too. Sweet, sweet revenge. <laughs> well, my thing is, is, if this she tries to help those kids so much throughout, like the, throughout the setup, and she was so she, nice to him too. Like she's like yeah. trying to start conversations with him. I think, and see, what got me too is at the end is she tried to save. Oh, I forgot the little pirate kid's name, um, Charlie. I think it was. She like tries to protect him. Yes. And she's like, stay with the lit pumpkins. That's how you're going to stay safe. Yeah. And And then she she stays so calm, like, oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. Just stay here. You'll be okay. As long as you stay by the pumpkins, you're going to be fine. Those little assholes. But I love, like, the screaming in the background with the kids, right? And they're freaking out. Mm -hmm. And when Rhonda, after they, like, you know, play the prank on her, and then the real screaming starts, and Rhonda's just like, huh, "No, you're screwed. not getting me again." Like, yeah, exactly. Yep. And she leaves uh, it there, and I just love the sound effects of the kids just being like brutalized by these by these uh, ghostly creatures of ch- oh. of, of children. Which I mean, there's a lot of really good special effects, but the the ghost kids. That's, they made them look like freaking madness. Dude, crazy, right? And I, yeah. And I, the other thing I liked are their costumes. The, mm-hmm. the costumes they wore, you know, even before they were like, you know, all deaded out and stuff, right? Before mm-hmm. they were monsters. Just their old, I love those old school costumes from back in the day. Like you've seen those old photos, right? Like, Creepy as hell. I love those. And I don't know why people don't dress like that for Halloween anymore. You got to get those crazy paper mache freaky masks and stuff. And like, mm. man, we need more people to go back to like those 1930s style, 1930s, 40s, 50s style Halloween costumes. Those were awesomely scary. I think there's too many scared parents to do that for their kids. No. Freak them out too much. Yeah, you're right. I wish they weren't though. Uh, right. The performances, the kids that actually played these parts, apparently those actors had real disabilities or injuries. Oh, and Really? Yeah, but apparently they all had a blast being involved with the film, being involved with the shoot. Uh-huh. And the costumes we were just talking about, uh, they were inspired by a mix of photos from Ralph Meatyard and Diane Arbus, and they captured real mentally disabled children on Halloween in their own homemade costumes. And so they kind of did their research on that when when uh, bringing these bringing these kids together. And that's good. Film. At least they had fun doing it. Yeah, exactly. Brian Cox mm-hmm. added that you know how he wheezed through the film, yeah. like his wheezing, breathing. He yes. actually added that during his segment, and that's when the director thought it would be a good idea like to put that in the flashback sequence of the bus driver crawling out of the lake also wheezing so you understood okay. oh, that like makes sense. these were the two 
that these these people are the same person. Yeah, and like the scar. Like they did a good job with the the cut on the driver's face and yeah. the scar later on. Yep. That was good. It said that the school bus story was a homage to It's the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown. <laughs> and Billy's shaking his head over here and laughing. Well, yeah, and cuz that also ties into my favorite line of the whole movie, but we'll get to that uh, later. And the scene, instead of a rock quarry, the scene originally took place in a cemetery overgrown with pumpkins. Okay. Which is such a cool visual. That would be a cool And I'm kind of like, oh, that would be awesome to see. I'm kind of sad they didn't do that. Because that, that visual in my head just looks so cool. Right. But I think having it the way they did, because like this, when they get down to the quarry and the the bus setup and all of that, that it's in itself that whole scene that they set up, yeah, was so crazy. Yep, it was so cool. Yeah, the way they set it up was great. Actually, um, in one of the scenes with the kids on the bus, the camera pans down, and at one point. You can see a bright red Plymouth Fury. Yep. Which is basically Christine, John Carpenter's Christine, the killer car. And while that may be a homage to another homage to Carpenter, it was also used to symbolize that, hey, this this is a bad omen for these kids and they're yeah. in trouble right now. Yeah. Like like I was saying before, I'm really excited about all the stuff in the background. I want to watch it again to catch the things that I might have missed. Yeah. So that's one one I caught. I was like, interesting. Kind of like when um, in the very first scene where you see Sam, but you don't really see Sam. You see, yep. and he's breathing inside of his mask. I was like, oh, Halloween. Nice. Just like the intro from Halloween. I was like, dude, just take me back. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. In one of the early drafts of the script, the school bus story originally featured a double reveal in that not only were the undead kids at the quarry a threat, but the girl they brought along to prank also turned out to be dead. So Rhonda, they almost made her dead. like the chief. Right. And I'm glad they did it because what they did was, was great. The way the story played out in the end was great. Yes, it was better. Yeah. Because then it would have been felt like, at that point, it would have felt played out like, uh, everybody's dead. Yeah, like, because, you know, before this movie was made, you had movies like The Sixth Sense that did that and uh, Nicole Kidman's The Others. Uh, Which is a really good movie. It like is a, It is a good movie, yeah. Yeah. Uh. But, yeah, I'm glad they didn't do it. I think that would have just added, like, a little, like, I'm trying to get you kind of thing, which the way her storyline plays out is a lot more fun. Yeah, exactly. With her just grabbing her wagon and going home. Just and kind of gleefully going home. Right. I like mean, and, she, she's, and her, I love that moment where her and Sam cross paths and they just kind of look at each other. And they it's like they have this understanding of each other. Well, she knew. She told him from the beginning, as long as you've got that jack-o'-lantern, you're clear. Yep. You can do whatever you want. Yep. And she knew it, and she walked away cocky like, I told you, fools. (laughs) 
So in an earlier draft of the script, there was another different story of this Halloween prank where the victim would not be a introverted girl, but an annoying teenager who had played a lot of pranks uh, to his girlfriend over the past few years. The girl would contrive an elaborate hoax along with the children that she babysat and escorted to their trick-or-treating. They would all lure him to a graveyard and not a quarry as in the film, under the pretense of conducting a ritual to wake a dead cat, a dead pet cat, which belonged to one of the little boys. They would even encounter a serial killer fleeing from Laurie in the woods. After the teenager bumps his head and the prank is revealed, just like Rhonda in the film, the children would realize to their horror that the ritual worked. Even the dead cat was resurrected. And the reason this sequence was probably rewritten was because it was too effects heavy. Featuring a whole army of corpses in various states of decay, raising from the ground and the mausoleum, all the children would have died right. <laughs> and reappear as undead trick-or-treaters at the end. There is no mention of the bus incident either. As a result, Mr. Krieg, the old man, remains alive after his encounter with Sam and ultimately survives the film. That's kind of an interesting story. Yeah, I think that would have been a good addition, too. But I like the stories that we got. Yeah, I I did, too. It's almost like that could still be a story. Like, we could still see something like that. Like in in the sequel or something. In a sequel. Again, if the sequel ever gets made. Right, but that's why I'm hoping that this release in the theaters is going to bring attention to the movie and can bring a sequel because it was written so well. So I'm just going to kind of go through some things here about the movie, little tidbits of information. Mm -hmm. When the girls are buying their costumes in the store, their princess costumes, Mm -hmm. Danielle tells her date to meet them at Sheep's Meadow. This foreshadows mm-hmm. their later reveal as werewolves as it plays on the saying of a wolf in sheep's clothing. Right. Like, yeah, they make it's weird because when they're trying on their it trying on their costumes, they're saying how important it is to have the costumes. The now, costumes are the most important part. Yeah, and now like when I like having seen it multiple times, when you watched that scene for the first time before you knew they were werewolves, what did you st- get any of that or were you just like where is the story going or did you have some kind of so i didn't realize that the whole werewolf thing was happening i didn't think there were werewolves i thought they were vampires oh, okay i thought they were going the vampire route makes sense because the way they're talking about it and we have to do this it's tradition blah 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 yeah, i was yeah. like i was like okay vampires that's cool but then when they st- start ripping their skin off <laughs> dude i was like this is the Best werewolf transition I've seen ever. It's I all mean, practical effects. All practical effects. Oh my gosh. In that scene. And it's so brilliant. And it's Just, so awesomely, creepily done. I loved it. And like here's when the, her backbone ripples and yeah. you see the just rip. Anna Paquin oh. is amazing in this movie. I'm sorry. I loved Anna Paquin in this movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, her and her sister Danielle. Sure. Those, those two girls were, that was well played. Yeah. But it's crazy because, like, that scene is. I've watched it at home so many times. Like mm-hmm. every year, when that scene pops up, it's like, oh man, I love, I love that 
that exhilarating feeling of like when they like and you got that song that accompanied that scene where they were like all just turning in the wolves and tearing off their flesh and stuff uh it was that sweet dreams it was so just everything in that scene just clicked perfectly and I, i've again i've watched this movie every year at home the year that i saw in theaters for the first time the crowd just went wild. Like everyone was cheering and clapping. And I really hope that when this movie opens back up in theaters, that the, that the audience is going to be like that engaged again to be, to see this on the big, like see that scene play out on the big screen. Cause it's so right. fun. It's so fun. Very playful and very bloody. disturbing, very bloody, playful, disturbing, all, all of the above. <laughs> yeah, it was good. The kid with the lollipop in his mouth, the one who's like peeking in and watching the girls in the changing rooms. Uh huh. So that kid, uh, his name is Quinn Lord, and he was the same kid behind the Mask of Sam. Oh, cool. In the movie. So he got like some actual FaceTime in there. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, in earlier cuts, it, you know, you talk about your, when you talk about like Dylan Baker being, I'd say what, is that your f- favorite character in this movie? Would you yeah. Say? I mean, I just, I like his, I like his story arc in it because sure. it, it has, he's so, he has a way of being just the perfect bad guy. Cause you would look at him and you're like, Oh, look at that. He's Ned Flanders. And then next thing you know. He straight up calmly talks to a kid that he just poisoned and is dying in his arms. I'm like, you know, and it's funny because that sequence where he carries the dead kid in, well, mm-hmm. I don't know, I might be demented in the head, but when that kid throws up just like all over the floor, I just can't help but laugh. It, <laughs> that's so bad of me, I think. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, it's just so. I mean, the trickery in it is so immense because he's talking to him. Hey, just eat that candy. Let's talk. I'm going to carve this pumpkin while you eat some more candy. And then he's like, oh, you're dying. Cool. And And then after his day, he's like, that's right. There's another tradition, a very important one. Always check your candy. (laughs) Yep. And then, yeah, he takes him in. And then just through the whole time, the, the burial. Um, I did have a question for you. Yeah. Because the kid comes up, he's not in a costume. No. But but he's burying his body on top of another one. Yeah, he's burying that it's still alive, by That's the way. That's still alive. There's a, the dead, kid's arm. there's a dead kid in the pit already that he's dug. Like, he's not done killing kids for the night. Right. Which is just the, the, insane to me. And then he beats him like with that a that shovel. To, he beats him to death with a shovel. Oh, my gosh. So, yes. so bad. So I'm bad. sitting there, and then he's yelling at his kid, Billy. And like he's making fun of his kid. He's mocking his kid, and he does all that. And then telling his kid he, to, like, be quiet. I'll get to you when I'm good and ready. And right. I love that whole thing where it plays like, I'm going to kill my kid, right? Like, the right. whole that whole story arc right there is like, his kid doesn't know what he's doing. He's trying to hide it from him. Uh, 
And then he's like, feels like his kid is just annoying the hell out of him to the point where he's like, I'm going to kill my kid. Pulls out the knife, you know. He's like, come right. help me carve the pumpkin. I need, and I especially need help with the eyes, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. And you think that like, you know, and it's funny because when my, when my uh, wife first saw this movie and you see the ha- hand go up and he just comes down and s- stabs like the kids in front of him. So you're like, you think he stabs the kid. My wife was just like, I'm done watching this. It's <laughs> like, I'm done. I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, and then yeah. it, and then it comes, you know, then it comes out and pans out and you see that he just stabbed the head of the kid that was dead already on this carving table and right. then it's like, oh, okay, I could still watch it now. Like, like that isn't bad, bad enough. There's still, <laughs> there's still dead kids here. <laughs> right, right. And you're, you're teaching your kid to cover out the eyes. Like his whole story plays through the whole movie. Like you see him in the background in the whole movie, and then what happens to him in the werewolf orgy? I was like, perfect, all the way through. Yeah. Like, and then. Then his son Billy sitting up front in the same exact outfit that his dad was wearing earlier when yep. he killed the kid. Yeah, I was like, ah, oh, amazing, good job. <laughs> Amazingly dark. Yeah, there's a lot that goes on. I don't want to give it all away, but yes, just the the uh, his whole storyline, Dylan Baker's storyline throughout the whole thing. He I was meets like, his demise, and if you've seen the movie, you know what that is. I love the demise of the character. It's so oh, great. Yeah. Uh, it's funny though because the studio actually pressured Doherty to remove the scene where Dylan Baker's character carries the kid that he just poisoned into his foyer, and he had he he had to fight to keep it in. He says, "I fought like a mother effort to get that back into the movie. They wanted it cut more for its comedic sensibilities than its content." as they briefly toyed with the idea of making this a straightforward horror movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he he wasn't having it. Luckily, he won that fight. It's necessary for the, the scenes to continue. Yeah. Every single death in the movie occurs off camera. That's so true. Or like they cut away right when they yep. do it. Yeah. The deaths are either obstructed by something or the camera cuts away right before a character dies. Mm-hmm. This, this is something that horror movies rarely do, but it's great because right. it leaves things to the imagination. And that's where things are the most terrifying when you let your imagination take over. Right. And you're, you're just going to imagine the worst. Yep. You know? They couldn't use any recognizable candy wrappers because all of the candy of this film was either poisoned or filled with razor blades. So they had to create their own instead, which was and which they said was kind of fun because we came up with stuff like Big Fudge Log. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that. Yeah, they, I guess they don't want a Snickers in there poisoning people. Yeah, I get it, but you know. Yeah. It's it's interesting. The whole candy poison thing is like one of those things that like came out of the eighties, man. Just during right. that during that time, and right. in it, which is funny. I remember watching a documentary on that, like on that uh, scare, the you know the, the the fear parents had at the time through that, right? And it is something that 
hardly ever happened. Like there are like maybe there was one instance mm-hmm. uh, that dealt with a father poisoning his own kid. Right, like, right, right. Like like yeah, have you heard that story? Yeah, yeah. And but and that was just enough. That was just enough. It was to just set enough. Off. Yeah, but but strangers doing it. I and I was I remember like my parents always being like, you know, yeah, check your candy, stuff like that. But there's never anything wrong with it. And I've never, right. there's never been any stories of that happening, like, since this big fear in the 80s. You know what I mean? Right. At least, yeah. And at least ones I haven't heard of. But I guess better safe than sorry. Might as well. I mean, I got to taste test most of it. Yeah. And it's the best way to be. It is. It is. Definitely. <laughs> But uh, I, I kind of back to the candy. I like that they use their own because it makes it its own world. Like they, there's, it's like a parallel universe, like to ours. Yes. So I, I, I like that. I like that it's self-contained, so they could just go anywhere with it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the fight scene between Sam and Krieg involved an eight-year-old stunt performer as well as an adult stunt woman. Okay. I didn't know there were eight-year-old stunt performers out there. Me either. But they found but I mean, there one. There's always that kid in elementary school that could do backflips because he's right? in gymnastics. So I'm sure that's probably what it was. Yeah, exactly. Uh, most of the jack-o'-lanterns in the movie were made out of either foam or ceramic. There uh-huh. was an on-set joke that no pumpkins were harmed during the making of the movie. <laughs> that's kind of funny because there's a lot of them in there. There are so many pumpkins. And I mm-hmm. love all the pumpkin carvings in there. Right. Every year for Halloween when I do a pumpkin carving, I find something from that movie and like kind of emulate it for myself. Right. When I do a pumpkin cuz there's just so many cool designs to see. Check out. Yeah. <laughs> Anna Paquin's character Lori is named after Lori Strode from Halloween. Right. The werewolf transformation by the campfire is a nod to The Howling, the 1981 film. Uh, oh, it so is. Yeah. The werewolf yeah. transformations are done practically. There's some CGI enhancements, but not much. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, because Doherty explained that he knows that full CGI transformations don't always look the best, which is true. They do this is very not. true. Practical is always the way to go when doing werewolves. Right. All the werewolves of the film were created by the same studio that created Lichens for the Underworld trilogy. Which is cool. Yep. There's a scene in the film where Anna Paquin's character is, like, there's a fearful look on her face. She uh-huh. is completely scared. This is around the 50-minute mark of the movie. And yeah. it's explained that this is a very, very genuine scare as the director literally screamed unexpectedly to frighten her. She did not appreciate it at first, <laughs> but she soon came <laughs> yeah. around on how it made her performance more authentic because she actually really looked scared. Right. I appreciate those kind of scares in movies. At the campfire, Mm -hmm. right before the girls turn into werewolves, a hot dog costume can be seen in the background. This implies that the kid's coach, who is is seen at Miss Henderson's party, is now a victim of the werewolves. Right. Miss Henderson must have like some crazy parties with the teacher. What are teachers doing in this movie? They're just letting off some steam, bud. 
You know, they got to deal with these kids every day of the week. <laughs> just letting it go for a little bit. The film went through a few different title changes before the movie ended up being called Trick or Treat. Some of mm-hmm. those titles included Season's Greetings, which was the title of the short film that Doherty made. And it was changed because it sounded too much like a Christmas movie. And so then they called it Halloween Terrors. Mm. There was another title, Jack-O-Lantern Tales. Mm. October the 31st. Mm. And Trick or Treat. Okay. And they ended up landing on Trick or Treat. Right. Final title was kept, but since there was already a movie of the same name out, they changed the spelling to Trick or Treat instead of Trick or Treat. Ah, gotcha. So, I like the way they have it, though. I like I like the actual title of the film. I think they landed on the right title. Right. Yeah, no, it, it has the effect because that's essentially what it's about in more ways than one. Yep. There is a nod to the thing in the film. Yes. Uh, when Mr. Krieg says, you've got to be effing kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> when he sees uh, uh, the part of the Sam hits hand, oper- you know, kind of running around on the ground by itself, yep. independently from its body, that's a nod to a similar scene from John Carpenter's The Thing, which the director is obviously a fan of. The candy bar that Sam uses to attack the old man is the same candy bar that he got from the principal earlier in the movie. The principal put razor blades in the chocolate bars that he handed out. Because that's what principals do. Yeah, I mean... Don't take candy from your principal. That should be the lesson here. Don't go to your principal's house on Halloween. Yes. Kids should not be taking (laughs) candy from their principals on Halloween. The gumball rolling down the stairs is a nod to the changeling. Okay. 1980 horror movie. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that the cameraman working on this sequence also filmed the ball scene in the Changeling. <laughs> nice. Which was one of his first, which was one of his first gigs in the movie business. Gotcha. Kind of fun. Yeah. The blood used to show Emma's demise beneath the sheet was boiled right before filming, so it would steam. That's kind of a cool effect, though. I liked it, yeah. Yeah. I liked that, that cool whole that opening sequence of the film was so good, man. Right. I just, I enjoyed that. That Like, that set the tone for the whole movie. Set the tone, and you're just like, oh, I am 100% in. I mean, and like, it's this also... This is a Halloween movie. Right. Absolutely. They played that trickery on you. You didn't know what you are actually going to get. Yep. Exactly. Rhonda's house was modeled after the White's residence in the 1976 Stephen King film, Carrie. Nice. In particular, it was inspired by a scene towards the end of the classic film where the house was lit by a number of candles in the windows. This foreshadows the scene in which Rhonda, much like Carrie, seeks revenge on her tormentors after a prank gone wrong. There you go. That should explain it all right there. Exactly. The editing of the film was described as a, quote, brutal process and 
quote, hell. <laughs> well, yeah, because, man, they had so much going on in the background. Yeah, and it's explained that, I believe it's Doherty who says, I wish we did do a special edition which allowed you to watch the stories by themselves. So have each story kind of its own thing, uh, its own sequence, instead of like right. intermingling it together. But I liked how it everything crossed over. I loved right. how the stories crossed over with each other because it made the movie interesting to follow and to see like the crisscrosses of characters and stuff like that throughout the film. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah, and... I think that's the the fun of it because at the end, then you understand the sequence of events. You knew what happened when. And you're like, oh, little do they know what's going to happen later on, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. James Marsden makes a voice cameo in the movie. What? Yep. At the 59-minute mark mm-hmm. on TV, there is a show that is talking about the history of Halloween candy. Okay. The narrator of that show is James Marsden. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Now, in one scene, Cree calls 911 for help, mm-hmm. and he's put on hold. Yes. And when That chick wouldn't believe him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and when he's put on hold, we are hearing a piano cover of John Williams' Can You Read My Mind from the 1978 film Superman. Nice. The director said... I don't know how we got the rights to that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, all you have to do is ask. Whatever works, just do it. Right. Uh, There's a few little interesting things. Like, I don't know if you caught some of the little goofs in the movie. Okay. But Sam's burlap mask that goes from the mouth being sewn, Mm -hmm. and at some point it's just ripped when he's right. like fighting Krieg. Right. But then it like after he's done it's it's fine throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, but we're going to play that up to um he's a supernatural being so he, he can oh, pretty much totally do what the hell he wants. Totally is. Yeah. Now the one that I always had a problem with though is when Krieg falls down the stairs. Mm-hmm. The stairs are loaded with razor blades, nails, you name any dangerous ob- small object. Right. He it, it glass all that stuff. He falls down the stairs. It is like in his fingers, it is in his hands, it is in his right. feet. It is gross and it always makes me cringe. It also makes me cringe when he gets sliced in the Achilles tendon. Ah, uh, no good to thing. Cemetery. No good thing comes from being sliced on your the ankle. Yeah, when your, your Achilles is sliced, Achilles you're done. Heel. Ugh. Yeah, that's the worst. Absolutely, that's the worst. Yep. I don't even need to go throughout to know that it's the worst pain ever. Um. But after he goes through all that, like at one point he's like trying to put shotgun shells in the shotgun and he can't yep. do it, right? Can't he's do like, it. Uh, uh, right. Uh. But then like a f- couple minutes later, like everything's fine. Well, he can fight like a champ. <laughs> he can walk around. He can and... walk around. His Achilles tendon isn't 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 busted up anymore. He doesn't have the bloody fingers anymore. He healed pretty quick. Right. Yeah, he did. I kind of like it, if I have one thing 
that I'd have to point out, I wish they would have kept him in like brutal pain with all that stuff throughout yes. that sequence. Yeah. Instead of it's, making all that stuff just magically go away. Yeah, that would have been more fun. But I mean, it also sets up what happens at the end. Like he it, thinks he got away. Well, it thinks he got, and and you can see that like he's all bandaged, bandaged up now. He's fixed. He's taken yeah. care of, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. So I kind of want to talk about a sequel for a minute because this movie was supposed to get a sequel. Okay. It was announced years ago that this that a sequel was going to happen, and then just nothing. Just died. Just died. Okay. Legendary Pictures was going to do it. They made this big announcement. I was there. I was at the special screening. Uh, the the president of uh, Legendary Pictures was there. You had Michael Doherty there. Uh, Bryant Singer showed up, and they all were there to announce that Trick or Treat 2 is happening. Like okay. It was greenlit, and then we never heard anything from it again. But when talking about the sequel, Doherty said... It's funny because when I first dreamt up the idea of making the first film, I thought, how neat would it be if we made them into a series? I'm a firm believer that October should be filled with Halloween movies or mm-hmm. horror movies. That's something I remember from my childhood. Horror movies and Halloween, they go hand in hand. And so the idea was, well, we could possibly do a trick-or-treat movie every year or every other year. And that it would sort of just be a new batch of stories and characters, and the common link between all of them would be Sam. Initially, that was the plan. And then things changed, as the first film had a very delayed, strange journey. I put those dreams on hold for a little while, so it feels good to be back to that initial plan. I think it'd be great to make it a trilogy at least. So fingers crossed, for me, I think every film should explore a different aspect of Halloween. I felt like the first film was the very traditional suburban Halloween that we all have some memories of. But as I've grown up over the years, I've lived everywhere from Columbus, Ohio, to New York, to L.A., and I find that the holiday is very different depending on where you live, or even time periods. I don't see why we shouldn't be limited to just present-day stories. Halloween is an amazing holiday because it evolves depending on where you live and the time period. And he says, I think we'll shake it up a bit. There are different archetypes I'd like to explore, different types of monsters. We covered werewolves, vampires, and zombies, but there's a whole slew of different creatures out there that we haven't tackled, and I think Sam would probably be pretty good buddies with. So, I think it's time to let them have their time in the sun. And they should. Like, I love this idea. Like, we should. The fact that we haven't had any trick or treat sequels all these years is just baffling to me. Well, like, like we've been saying this whole time, this is the first time I saw it. So, I'd be okay with them happening now. Like, I do <laughs> think there's. Um, Here's the there's thing. things we haven't seen. Here's the thing, though, Billy. Had they mm-hmm. all, all these years. Had they been doing, let's say, say they did one every other year. Had that mm-hmm. happened, you probably would have watched the first one already. You probably would have yeah, got probably. a sequel would have come out. You're like, oh, I should probably watch the first one before I watch the sequel, right? Right. 
But see, here's the difference. See, when you saw it, you own the movie, so you watched it all the time. Yeah. I never could catch it on anything streaming. I couldn't catch it on anything playing it like HBO or anything like that. So I actually just had to buckle down and rent it. <laughs> so, um, but it was it was a fun movie. It's fun, something fun that you could play in the background while you're handing out candy to kids that heck are coming yeah, through. Heck yeah! And like like you said, there's so many other Halloween stories to explore. Yeah, you know, and I, I mean, I love I love playing with different time periods specifically. I think that is a very cool thing because I would love to see a Halloween movie set in the 30s, a Halloween movie set in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Like, give me Halloween movies, like, they're set in different eras. And, like, even right now, like, had this been, had they been able to do this, they probably would have caught up and, like, by now, with the 80s being as popular as it is right now, like, with that whole Radcore thing, that would be total... You probably probably have an '80s version of Trick or Treat this year. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the, that's that's the genius of Sam's design because he would fit in in any of those eras. Exactly. The way he's designed yep. will like they'd be like, "Hey, there's scarecrows." Yep. Throughout time, we can use that. I'm I, I, think- I I'm very bummed out that a sequel has not happened yet. I think there's a good thing here. I think there's a good franchise here to build on. It's been here for a long time. The director did offer an update, the most recent update on the sequel. He said, when he was asked about it in an interview, he said, oh man, it's that time of year. I feel like that's become the new Halloween tradition. Ask Mike about Trick or Treat 2. Listen, I'm intrigued by the idea and it's completely up to Legendary. It's been a few years since we initially talked about it, and th- and there's been a regime change since then. They still have the property. They still love it, and there's still a long line of merchandise and continuing line of comic books based on the film, but the ball is in their court. The moment they say they're interested and ready to go, we'll see if the stars align. Yeah, pretty much sums it so, up. So I guess Warner Brothers doesn't have it. He just so right there he explains legendary has it. So I guess I don't yeah. know. We'll see. <sighs> but it is there is so much like like I said before, you can find Sam costumes at Spirit every year. Like I still have yet to see a kid wearing one, but they're there. And then there's the animatronics that you can buy. It, it's it's something that they can make a lot of lot of money off of. They're still making money off of it. Yeah. No, I mean, so much more if they brought out more. Sure. If they did. You know. Now, after I read all those quotes, and that you know, Dory has these amazing plans for it, these great concepts and things like that. He goes on to say, at the same time, I think there's something to be said about not sequelizing it. In a business that is obsessed with franchising and spinoffs and prequels and sequels, maybe there's something to be said about just leaving it alone. And to that, I have to say no. If there is a franchise (laughs) that needs to be built upon, it is trick-or-treat because Halloween needs movies like this. We need movies like this. So no, no. I know you're trying to like make yourself feel better for like not being able not being able to make the sequel, but no, you have to fight for that sequel because we need more of these movies. 
Well, yeah, because then it's going to open it up to m- more terrors that you can use during the Halloween season, like uh, new looking, like opening people's eyes to new ways of looking at, like the Mummy or Frankenstein's monster or something like that. They have so many options that they could bring into this that would just be a reimagining of it. I think it would be really cool. I've been really looking forward to recording this episode. I'm glad that we got a chance to do it. I'm glad that I finally got Billy to watch Trick or Treat. (laughs) I love this movie. I am happy that he has seen it. We can now share in its awesomeness. And if you've seen it, you know if you haven't seen it, I don't know why you probably didn't even listen to this (laughs) podcast. (laughs) If you um, haven't seen it and you did listen to the podcast, though, go watch the movie. And if you're not a horror fan, because I know a lot of people that are not horror movie fans. Right. But this movie, is it's a, it's a horror movie, but first and foremost, it is a Halloween movie. It is like right. the spirit of Halloween. And even if you don't like horror movies, there is this is a movie you will love. I'm talking to you, Free. <laughs> i think you'd appreciate this story (laughs) but yeah i i i think people this is like one of those movies that i think anyone can enjoy it's rated r for obvious reasons it is brutal it is dark it is gritty it is bloody it is gory it is violent uh kids die (laughs) oh man but, yeah, they don't hold back, but it's but it's Halloween. It's a good, fun Halloween movie that you just can't help but just watch and enjoy on Halloween right. night. I don't know because why not? Because why not, Billy? What is like? To, what is your favorite quote of the movie, Billy? Give me your favorite <sighs> quote, and then and then I want you to share any other thoughts that you have on this movie. That you didn't okay. get a share while we were talking about this. Because I want to hear like what you thought. Okay, so well, here's the thing. Uh, before we get to my quote, because my quote's the last thing I'm going to say, because that thing, it just it still crashed me up. I've been thinking about it ever since I saw the movie. <laughs> but um, I think what I like so much about this movie is that it's really about, like, that's why I can't decide whether Sam is a protagonist or the antagonist in this. Yeah. Uh, because it's all about things coming full circle. Yes. Like you're going to reap what you sow kind of thing. And I think there's only one bitter kill in the whole thing, and I think that's the very first one because she smashes the pumpkin or, or turns out the light on the pumpkin Yep. after she just told not to. Yep. So, but all the rest of them are, it's uh, it's all full circle, and I think that's a really cool movie. I think that's what the whole thing is about is everything – comes back to you so awesome. i thought that was really cool like that i just like the whole imagery that they had in it and that everybody's connected in this whole story even though they don't know it yeah type of thing yep um and then of course my favorite quote is from Stephen dylan baker's character talking to billy okay while he's trying to bury the the body in the back and he goes billy go watch charlie brown and out of nowhere he just goes Billy goes, Charlie Brown's an asshole, and then walks <laughs> away. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's that's hilarious. Like, I don't know why he thinks he's an asshole, but it was just hilarious to me. What about you, Joe? Do you have a quote that you like? So, 
yeah, one of my favorite quotes from the movie actually comes from Dylan Baker's character as well. And it's when he's sitting there talking with the kid that he's about to poison. Or he is in the process of poisoning and sitting there right. watching him eat candy. He says, smashing jack-o'-lanterns, stealing candy. It's okay. Believe it or not, I was just like you when I was a kid. That is, until my dad set me straight, that is. See, my dad taught me tonight is about respecting the dead. Because this is the one night that the dead and all sorts of other things roam free and pay us a visit. All these traditions, jack-o'-lanterns, putting on costumes, handing out treats, they were started to protect us. But nowadays, no one really cares. <laughs> That's so true. Oh, man. And then I like Billy's, like, when... So, so many good quotes. Uh, Billy, like, when they have the kid's head on the carving table, he looks up at his dad, he's like... Let's carve a scary face this time. <laughs> <laughs> that kid was creepy as hell. As if there wasn't a creepy enough thing there. Right. Good grief. As if it wasn't bad enough. Mr. Creek also has some good quotes in this movie. <laughs> yes, he does. He's so bitter. He's so he's so funny. When he's when he's yelling at Steven across the way, when Steve, when Steven, which is uh, Dylan Baker's character, is burying the body, mm-hmm. <laughs> he yells over to him because it's, it's it's like there's a smell coming from his house. It's obviously the smell of dead kids, right? And Steven says that the septic tank is backed up, and then Mister Creek says, "Then fix it. It stinks like a dead whore out here." <laughs> <laughs> oh man Mr. Cree was great he was a great he's a great character oh and then there's that great part where Mr. Cree is like what are you doing over there hiding bodies <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what's happening sir anyway alright can you think of any others no, that, I mean, those are my favorite ones, man. Those are the ones I like. All right. Well, that's it. That's our podcast for Trick or Treat. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. We got some more horror movies coming up through the month of October uh, because, you know, it's Halloween. So stay yep. tuned to see what those are going to be. We're very excited. We got a cool lineup of movies that, we, that we're going to talk about that we think you'll enjoy. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Our call sign is at GT Secret Level. Follow us there. We post stuff, all kinds of things. Give us suggestions, please. Give us suggestions. Leave reviews. Hit us up. Actually, it's it's great. People are, like, reaching out to us right now, and it's it's been fun to see that we're getting some positive feedback. So it's 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 awesome. We're, we're yeah, glad we'll that there are people out here enjoying this. Uh, this was just something that Billy and I wanted to do for fun, and we're glad that people are actually tuning in and listening. So thank yeah. you. We really appreciate yes. it. It's great. And if you follow any kind of movie news site or anything like that, geektart.com is the place to go. Like, we post everything there. Yep, we've all got the, everything All the you cool need. stuff. We don't give you yes. any false information. <laughs> <laughs> there's That's so important. many sites out there right now that get their traffic through like so much false information it's so crazy that they just make news up it drives me nuts we don't make news up we don't make news up no 
and give you all the important news. Anyway. 100%. All right, guys. Well, we're at the end once again, and uh, good journey. Yeah, good journey. Spooky. Happy Halloween.